Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. The title of this morning's message uh, is Consecration, and um, it's another, you know, I get the, Dennis gets all the easy stuff and the good stuff. I get the chapters where, you know, appropriation, like, (laughs) yeah, he's the good cop. So anyway, um, consecration is another one of those words that is going to, is going to need some um, explanation. I I, uh, I read a story this week about about this uh, elderly lady that was uh, on the highway, and she was going about 20 miles per hour over the speed limit. She was flying. And so the state trooper pulls out, chases her down, takes him a couple minutes to catch up with her. And he rolls down his, he recognizes she's an elderly lady, rolls down his window, and she rolls down hers, and he, he can see better, and he sees that she's knitting while she's driving like 90 miles an hour. And so he looks over, he's like, pull over. And she goes, no, cardigan. (laughs) So once again, once again, we have to define terms here, okay? (laughs) Sorry, guys. Wow, I just erased everything I said before this, yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy, okay. So let me define the terms here. We're not talking about cardigans and pullovers. We're talking about consecration. And consecration is a fancy word for what we in our generation basically call dedication. Or we could also say full surrender. So consecration is a dedication of ourselves to the Lord. It's a, it's a surrender of ourselves to the Lord, right? Uh, and so... It seems very right and good for us occasionally. Uh, you know, back in the day, I don't know if churches much do this anymore, but it seemed like churches would have revivals, which would mean a, a, a week of, of inviting some dude from 50 miles away with a briefcase to come in as an expert and uh, preach a series of sermons to make you feel guilty so you would come forward and rededicate your life to the Lord. And revival was supposed to break out, but it never happens because <laughs> that's not what revival looks like. But how many of you in, have been in church meetings where the preacher told you how bad you were and how bad you were doing and how you needed to really rededicate yourself and really surrender this time? I know that you, you, know, you think you're saved, and that's great. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, depending on how hard you work and how faithful you are to the Lord, which is a bunch of what Dennis says. But anyway, um, I can't say that because I'm not from another country, but uh, I would be impolite of me, but he can say crap. So anyway, um, but how many of you have experienced that where you go to the, this church meeting and some preacher browbeats you into coming, coming forward and, and, and committing? And he says something like this, Jesus gave his life for you. He died for you. He suffered on a cross for you. The least you can do is live for him. How many of you have experienced that? Three people. Okay. I'm sorry for you three people. And so they give an altar call. 
And they call you down to rededicate your life and, and resurrender and reconsecrate your life to the Lord. And what usually happens is you try harder, okay? And, and so I, I'm going to list four problems here that have to do with consecration or dedication or, or recommitment. The first one is the problem of trying harder. Okay, so, so here's, what, here's what happens. We usually follow by this increase in, in trying hard to do good things and trying to stop bad things, and which basically puts you into Romans 7. Romans 7 is about the Christian or the believer that is trying hard to do the right things and not do the wrong things based on the commandments, based on the, the law, so to speak, that you shouldn't covet and you shouldn't lust and you shouldn't lie and you shouldn't do all this stuff. So, Lord, if you'll just forgive me, I'll never do that again. I'll never take that half gallon of ice cream after 11 o'clock and sit down at the table and eat the entire thing by myself. I'll never do that again, Lord. Because that's gluttony. And I, I don't want to be a glutton. So I, I promise you, Lord, if you'll just forgive me, I'll never do that again. And we, we rededicate ourselves to not be a glutton. We, do, we, we rededicate ourselves to feed the poor and go to the soup kitchen and, and uh, you know, start tithing again and all this good stuff that we you know, do the good things that we're supposed to do and not good, do the bad things we're not supposed to do. And uh, that lasts for about a month. And then we fall off the wagon and we sin and we just throw up our hands and say, I can't do this. I can't live up to, you know, this trying harder stuff is just exhausting. And it really is. It will wear you out. It will eat your lunch. You know, shoulder to the wheel, nose to the grindstone, Christianity is, a, is, is just a farce. And it does not work. So I just want you guys to rest. Just take a deep breath and rest. I'm not giving you license to sin. We're going to deal with sin. I mean, at the topic of sin, but that's not how you deal with sin. Romans 7 is the way to fail in, in, in fighting sin. And by the way, that's not how Paul lived. Paul was victorious. Paul lived a, he, he lived a Romans 8 life. He said, we're no longer obligated to live according to the flesh. We're, we have a, 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 the joyful responsibility and, and privilege to live according to the Spirit, and to be led by the Spirit, and to live a victorious life in which we're more than conquerors. And he says very clearly in, Romans, uh, or in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Is Christ a sinner? No. So he doesn't have to sin. People point out that Paul said, I'm the worst of sinners, a chief of sinners. Do you know what he was trying to explain to the, the Corinthians, I think it was? If you think you're bad, if you think you are beyond salvation... Think about what I did. I persecuted the church. I put Christians to death. I held the coats while they stoned Stephen to death. In that, sense, in that sense, I'm the worst of sinners because I persecuted Jesus. You know, Dennis talked about last week what, what Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus. Why are you persecuting me? When you persecute my people, you're persecuting me. He said, if I can be sin, or if I can be saved, the worst of all sinners in what I was doing by persecuting the church, then anybody can be saved. If God can forgive me for killing Christians, he can forgive you for committing adultery. But he wasn't talking about, I'm the chief of all sinners because I'm so bad, and I do the things I don't want to do. And I do. That's not that way he was living any longer. He was living a victorious life, and that's offered to every one of us. And Dennis talked about that last Sunday 
when he talked about we died to sin, we've been raised to live a new life in the Spirit, we are no longer slaves to sin, so therefore, by faith, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live that Romans 7 defeated life because the spirit of the law, or the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So, but, but we do, we make vows. We make these vows. Lord, just forgive me and I'll never do this again. You know, how many have you, of you have ever successfully fulfilled a New Year's resolution? Yeah, I see no hands going up on that. Oh, one. Hey, well, way to go, MJ. But what we usually do is we say, okay, I, I am going to stop this. I'm going to start that. You know, every year the, these workout places like uh, uh, Workout Warehouse or, you know, what's the one, the big one that every... Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness. They get rich every January. <laughs> they do. Jan- you know, they, their equipment is used for about a month. And then the usual crowd comes in, the, the ones that are disciplined, and you know, they still, but 70% of the people that signed up never come back in February because they can't do it. They just cannot keep that resolution. You know, they make that vow. And it's even worse for you know, issues of sin because you know what a vow is? A vow is a self-imposed law. Do you know what Paul says about the law? First of all, he says it's the ministry of condemnation. The law is beautiful. The law is is excellent. The law says thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not do that. And if you keep this perfectly, you will have a great life. But do you know what Paul says about that law? It's the ministry of condemnation and the power of sin. It's not Satan. It's not self. It's not your wife or your husband. The power of sin is the law. The law empowers sin. Paul said in Romans 7, I would not have known what coveting is had the law said, thou shalt not covet. And as soon as I read that law, all of a sudden, covetousness of every kind began to surge up in me, and I I broke the law. I became a coveter. Because the law introduced that to me and actually gave that power. The, the, the law was never intended to make us holy. The law was intended to make us hungry, but not holy. <laughs> because the law is good. We want to do the right things. But the problem of vows is that we make a self-imposed law and that empowers sin in our lives and defeats us out the gate. As soon as I say I'm not going to, sure enough, we're going to do that. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says that to the extent that we exert our will against some temptation, we have just weakened ourselves to that extent. Let me say that again. To the extent that we, in our willpower, exert our will against some temptation to sin, we have just given that temptation that much power, and it will eventually eat our lunch. Because where are our eyes fixed? Where are our eyes fixed? On ourselves and on that temptation. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm I'm not gonna do that. Okay, I'll do that. You know, that's how it goes. We can't do that. It, we just can't, we can't pull it off. And so 
a vow is simply self-imposed law, and as soon as we make that vow, we've, 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 we've assured ourselves of defeat. Here's an interesting problem, the problem of the new will. This is going to take some explanation, the problem of the new will. What's the problem with the new will? What happens when we come to Christ is we, our old self, our old man dies, we, we're, 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 we're put on the cross with Jesus. We die with him. So let me just, let me tell this little story. Uh, I recommend this book, uh, I got it with me actually. Uh, it's called Wrecked by God. It's brand new, hot off the presses. It just got released um, this month. Wrecked for God by Diane Lehman. She's the pastor, uh, co- or was the co-founder of the church where my daughter Lindsay goes to, works and goes to church now, of Central Illinois Vineyard. The subtitle is The Surprising Secret to True, Tran- True Transformation. Wrecked for God. She said... Um, this book is all about how to live out what Dennis and I are talking about, by the way. So if you want practical application to what we're talking about, buy this book. It's really, really good. Um, she said, um, she said I, every Easter, every Good Friday service that she went to, they would always sing the hymn, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? It's, a, it's actually an old spiritual from slavery days. Were you there when they crucified my Lord. And she said one day she started thinking, she was in her early 20s, and she started thinking about that. And she's like, that's kind of a silly song, kind of a silly question. Of course I wasn't there when they crucified Jesus. And she heard the inner voice say, oh, yes, you were. You were there in me, dying on the cross with me. See, Jesus died for us. But Romans 6 tells us, that Dennis talked about last week in the identification, we, identify, we ident- are identified with him in his death because when Jesus died as the last Adam, he gathered up the human race in himself and took us with him to the cross. And so we died on the cross in his body. And his blood that was shed for us was also shed as us. And we died. The wages of sin is death. The law demands payment. The wages of sin is death. And so Jesus, the perfect Son of God, it says in, in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He hung there as us, the condemned sinner on the cross, and died as us, and we died with him. Were, 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 were you there when they crucified the Lord? Yes, you were, and so was I. And we died in him, and we were buried with him, and then we were resurrected with him, raised with him to live a new life in the spirit, and we also died to the law. But here's what happened. As we were resurrected and we received the new spirit, we also received a new will. See, sinners sin because that's what sinners do. Sinners sin. And to, it, it says in sec, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, that people who don't know Jesus don't understand why we won't sin with them. Because they're, they're like, why wouldn't you want to just do this stuff with us? It's fun for a season. <laughs> sin is fun for a season, isn't it? Until it turns on you and eats your lunch. Until you get diseases and, and, and you get, uh, you know, it starts taking a toll on your body and your relationships and eventually eats your soul and you die and, you know, are separated from God. 
But we get a new will when we get a new spirit. When we get the Holy Spirit, we begin to want what God wants. The problem is that we try to pull it off in our, in our own strength. So we make vows. And we try harder. And that doesn't work. That doesn't work. So we have a problem with the new will. We have a new will, but we don't have a new way yet. We have to, we have to come to the end of ourselves to get there. And so we're still trying to, we're living in Romans 7. We see the law and we think it's beautiful. I, I don't want to sin. I don't want to lie. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to lust. I don't want to, you know, to commit adultery in my heart. I don't want to do these things, but I find myself being drawn back here. So my will is at odds with my flesh. And you know, it says in Romans or in Galatians 5 that the spirit and the, and, and the flesh are at, at enmity with each other, fighting against each other so that we don't do what we want to. Either in either direction. The spirit doesn't get satisfied because our flesh takes over, and the flesh doesn't get satisfied because the will or the spirit wants something else. And so we're constantly living with a civil war until we learn how to walk in the spirit, how to live by the spirit, how to, how to abide in Christ. And so what do we do? We reconsecrate ourselves to the Lord. So at the end of this message, I'm going to preach a message of condemnation. I'm going to tell you to come down, recommit your life to Christ, and try harder, and do it right next time. That's what, how many of you believe that? That's not, what, that's not what's going to happen. That will never happen in this church as long as I'm drawing a breath and I have anything to say about this. And I can guarantee you, Dennis feels the same way. So you're not going to hear those messages from us. Because there's a new way to live. There's a new way to live. There's one more problem, the problem with the old self. Is that my son talking? Anyway. When we will to do God's will, to live like Christ, we try, we fail. We think the solution is to re reconsecrate ourselves, rededicate ourselves, really surrender this time to live uh, for Christ we suck it up and we try harder again and we fail again. No wonder so many people walk away from the church saying, I can't do this. I can't fake it till I make it. I'm not going to live as a fake and a phony and, 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 and a, a lie. I'm not going to live that way. So I'm just not going to try anymore. I'm done. I'm out of here. And so many prodigals have walked away from the church because this is the approach the church has taken to repentance and consecration, and dedication, and surrender. Here's the problem with, the, the last problem is that we try to make our old self, our flesh, behave. Do you know what God wants to do with our old self and flesh and all that? He wants to kill it. The human race is ruined beyond Redemption in terms of, of making our old self behave. The fallen old Adam self, we cannot make this better. It has to be crucified. It's like an old dilapidated building. We don't need to renovate it. We need to demolish it and start over. And that's what, what's happened in Christ is we have a new race of people, a new race. The old Adam race failed, and Jesus crucified that race on the cross. 
Now, people still live in that until they come to Christ because it's, he doesn't force it on us. But if we receive it and accept it, then we, get, we, get a, we become a part of a new race. If anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature, a new, a new person. And that new is not like, like a new car. It's a, it's a prototype. It's a new race. It's a new kind of person. New is in never before ever been anything like it. So you and I are now new in that way. And, and so why are we trying to live a new life in the old strength of our flesh? That's the problem, see. Diane Lehman in her book is, tells about she's at a funeral and she's standing by the casket and there's this corpse laying there. And, and she's, she's doing the funeral and she's standing there, you know, in a moment of honor and just, you know, looking at this person and, you know, she's kind of rehearsing what she's going to be saying because she knew the person was a friend of hers. And this person that she doesn't know all of a sudden is standing beside her and she, the person turns to her and says, doesn't he look good? And she said, I lied. She said, yes, he, he, he very much does, yes. Well, she said, I was thinking, no, he's dead. He looks dead. His, his skin is too orange. His lips are pursed and, and too, you know, his cheeks are too rosy. His glasses are perched on his nose like, like he, and his hands are in this weird position. No, he doesn't look good. He looks dead. And she said, when we try to, to dress our, our flesh up, when we try to, to make our, our old, you know, like in our own strength and our own power, we're making vows to the Lord and we're never going to do this again and we're going to try harder and put on our WWJD bracelet and try to live like Jesus out of our own strength, it's putting makeup on a corpse because that thing is dead. Jesus has raised us to live a new life in the Spirit. Yeah, so let me just read something here real quick. I, I meant to read a lot more scripture, but I also didn't mean to preach two sermons. So uh, what, what Dennis, yeah, sorry. That's a hazard of the trade, guys. Um, I want to read Romans 6, uh, just a few verses here. For, this is beginning with verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. That's the truth. I don't care what your experience tells you. This is God's word, and God's word trumps your experience. That's why I preached about appropriation two weeks ago. We appropriate this word. We say, Lord, I don't care what, I don't care the fact that I just sinned doesn't negate your word. And Holy Spirit, make this word my experiential reality. When I first read this scripture, I was convinced I wasn't saved. When it said, you died to sin, I was like, nah, I just did it. I must, I must not even be saved. And then I prayed, God, show me what this means. I didn't think it was going to take 40 years, but, you know, praise God for his Holy Spirit and revelation and all that, for we know our old self was crucified with him. So anyway, now if we, if we die with Christ... We will also live with him. That's, that's the life in the spirit. In the same way that the death that he died, he died once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, reckon yourselves, count yourselves, consider yourselves, believe for yourselves that you died to sin, but you're alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body to obey its evil desires. How do we not let that happen? 
He says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God. Now, here's the dedication that's, that counts. Here's the consecration that counts. It's not consecrating our old flesh and our old try-harder you know, selves. It's consecrating our resurrected life in the spirit self to God and consecrating the members of our body that are now joined to Christ, that Christ lives in, the new self, the new in the spirit, alive in the spirit self that's controlled by the spirit, led by the spirit. That's what we're yielding. And it says this, uh, rather offer yourselves to God, yield yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master any longer. Because you're not under law, hallelujah, but under grace. We're under grace. Life in the Spirit under grace. That's how this thing is lived. We're not going to put makeup on a corpse. We're going to let that thing die. And then we, we realize that we, we've crucified, our, our flesh is crucified, our fallen life can't be improved, so it just has to die. And so we yield ourselves to God as those who have been brought back from the dead. Crucifixion comes before consecration. I'm going to say that again. Crucifixion comes before consecration. We don't consecrate our old lives, our old flesh, our old try-harder WWJD bad, our bracelets to the Lord. We consecrate our new lives in the Spirit to the Lord, and we yield our bodies to Him. We yield ourselves to the fullness of Christ. We die with Christ. We have a new life in the Spirit, so we yield ourselves. We offer ourselves to God as those who have been raised or brought back from the dead to life. And then Romans 12, 1 and 2, just real quickly, and then I'm done with this, and then I, I want to show you a diagram when we're done. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... In view of God's mercy, in, in view of everything that Romans 6 and Romans 8 talks about, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why Dennis and I are preaching through this series. Because our, our minds tend to tell us the way to live a godly life is Romans 7. We try harder. We try not to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We try to do the things we're supposed to do. And Romans 7 shows us that doesn't work. And it leads to misery because that's what wretched man means. It doesn't mean we're a bunch of wretches. No, we're resurrected saints is what we are. But wretched means miserable. And when we try to keep the law and live good lives in the power of the flesh... We are very, very miserable because it just doesn't work. I hope I'm beating a dead horse to, to death again. <laughs> Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that is life in the Spirit. I want to show you something. I want to show you an illustration, and I stole this with permission from my dear friend Andrew Garvin. That don't get freaked out because it's a you know a graph. I'm going to explain this. This is very simple stuff, and and I just the reason I'm showing you this is because God showed me to show you this. 
because Andrew showed me this Thursday. My sermon had already been preached to the sermon prep team, and he basically summarized my sermon in this little diagram. So let me just show you this, okay? So um, let me just start right here. You see this line right here? This is the narrow way talked about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you try to live Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is a Sermon on the Mount, it will kill you. It's just like Dennis said last week. Right in the middle of that, Roman, or uh, Matthew, uh, I think it's right at the end of chapter 5 or right at the beginning of chapter 6, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, be holy as, as I am, or you know, God says, Be holy as I am holy. Uh, and, and it, and it what it does, it takes the Ten Commandments and it raises the bar from high jump level to pole vault level and you don't get a pole. That's right. The law is hard to keep, but Jesus made it impossible. You've heard it said, you shall not kill. I say if you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. I, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. I say even if you look on someone lustfully, lust for them in your heart, you commit. He just raised the bar way too high to ever clear. And so for us to try to live the, the Sermon on the Mount, is, is, it, it is impossible in our flesh. But here's the deal. The narrow way, Jesus says, this is the way. Why does the road that leads to destruction? The, the word that's cut off here is depravity. And, and, and this, there's this downward spiral of human beings into worse and worse sin to the point we become very enslaved to sin. And we can't break free from it. The more we do it, the more it becomes ingrained in our lives. And it's just a downward cycle into sin. The bottom part of this thing is acts of sin or sins. So acts of sins are like sexual sins, lying, stealing, strife, murder, drunkenness, sorcery, sorcery, idolatry. I mean, that's just a, a sampling of, you could probably add another couple of dozen sins. Uh, in in uh, Andrew's diagram, he lists all the sins that are in Galatians um, uh, 5 that, that are associated with the flesh. So what we do is we say, okay, here's the problem. i, I got to stop doing these things here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm, gonna, I'm going to stop doing these things and start doing the right things. And so what we do, we flip up into the flesh, and we actually, out of our pride, uh, out of our self-sufficiency, our autonomy, uh, I mean, you know, there are things here that, you know, obviously bad, like lust and selfishness and rebellion, but pride and autonomy and, and self-sufficiency, unyielded, those seems, things seem to be pretty good. I mean, our flesh can pr- put on a pretty good show as we try to stop sinning. And that's when we make vows, and that's when we try harder, and that's when we, we decide that, you know, God, I got it from here. You know, thanks for forgiving me. Now I'm going to go do what's right. And thanks for forgiving me. Now I'm not going to do what's wrong. And we're still, we, so we, we, we move from acts to sin into the flesh to try to deal with these things, and then what happens is we fail. And so what, what Andrew showed me was uh, we begin with the Beatitudes because the, the, the Sermon on the Mount begins with blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you recognize I can't do this. I am poor in spirit. I can't pull this off. And then you begin to mourn over the fact that you, you can't stop sinning. You can't break with your old patterns and stuff. And then you begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is because the Spirit of God is in you, and, and you want to do what's right, and you don't want to do what's wrong, but you don't understand how to pull this off. And then in Galatians um, chapter 5, Paul kind of unpacks this for us. He says, he says 
we understand what the, the flesh produces. It produces all, this is the attitude of the flesh. This is the outworkings of the flesh. So we have this attitude of pride, independence, selfishness. The outworkings of that are sexual sin, lying, stealing. These are acts of sin produced in the flesh, which is basically sin. And, but then Paul points out, but if we, if we walk in the Spirit... We experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so we walk in the Spirit. We abide in Christ. We're led by the Spirit. All these are the same thing. And we're able in Christ to live on the narrow road. This is the wide road that leads to destruction. This is the narrow road that leads to life. And I know, Andrew, forgive me for whatever I left out that you put in this diagram, but I was trying to make it simple. So I, I, for sake of time, and we are way past time, um, let me just say it this way. The way, Den, uh, the way Andrew said he's living this out is every day he gets up, he drives, he drives uh, for Sheehan and uh, delivers um, goodies for the vending machines. And uh, he, as he's driving along, he starts having a conversation with the Lord. And he talks to the Lord, and the Lord talks to him, and he has this, this back-and-forth conversation going on. And he says, Lord, which way should I go today to, to get to this thing? And he said, well, you know, let's take this route. So he, he, okay, I'll do that. And he misses all the lights and gets there early or whatever. You know, how should I arrange the boxes in the truck today? And, he, and the Lord's talking to him about that. And then, you know, he goes in, and Lord, what kind of encounters do you want me to have today with people? And the Lord talks to him about that. And then as he's driving along, instead of listening to the radio or letting his thoughts just go anywhere, because when we're left alone with our thoughts, our thoughts just go all over the place. He's having a conversation with Jesus. He's listening to Jesus talk. He's talking back to Jesus. He's having this, and he's abiding in Christ. He's walking in the Spirit. He's being led by the Spirit. And at the end of the day, when he's done, he said, I'm a pretty decent Shehan delivery person, or Shehan, however you say that. But Jesus is the best Sheehan delivery person. And if I let him do it, he does it right. And so when I get done with my day, I've done a good job in Jesus. And I feel peaceful and fulfilled. And I go home to my family, and I'm not, I'm not going home exhausted and frustrated and my thoughts having gone all over the place and, you know, been doing stupid stuff and listening to bad stuff putting into my, you know, I, I go home and I do the same thing with my family as I'm driving in the driveway. Lord, how do you want me to love my wife tonight? How do you want me to love my son tonight? What do you, what do you want us to do tonight? What, what should we have for dinner? How should we do this? And then the Lord speaks to him and he just, he's developing this continual conversation with the Lord. That, that's how you do this. See, Jesus Jesus didn't just come down like a crescent wrench, fix you and go back to heaven, and he's sitting up there waiting for you to get it right and come home. That's how we tend to think. No, he put himself inside of us to speak to us, to have a relationship with us, ongoing relationship with us. And so walking in the Spirit and abiding in Christ and being led, they're all the same thing. It's having a relationship with Jesus where the vine is connected to the branch and the branch to the vine, and we're, we're receiving constant life from him, and life becomes the joy of fellowship with Jesus. From our quiet time to when we lay down at night to go to bed and everything in between. Let's pray. Father, forgive me for going over and preaching two sermons, but 
Lord, uh, this is good, this is good. You're so good. You're so good. You've planted yourself in us. You've given us your spirit. We don't have to live in our own strength. We don't have to consider ourselves sinners anymore. We're, we're holy ones. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We don't have any other identity except in Jesus. It's either the law or Jesus. And we choose you, Jesus. And Lord, teach us how to just walk with you and, and, and fellowship with you and remain in you and experience the, the fullness of your spirit in us, giving life to us, giving strength to us. When we meet temptation, Lord, you deal with it so we don't have to. And we just want to yield our, our, our resurrected bodies and our, our resurrected spirits to you, our resurrected, the, the people that we are, we're resurrected people. We're, we're new creatures. We're a new race. And we just surrender ourselves to you. We just give ourselves, we consecrate, dedicate our new life to you as those who have been brought back from the dead. And we invite you to live, Jesus, to live your resurrected, powerful life in and through us. And Holy Spirit, the, the, the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. Live in us and through us, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.